0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Topical with Michael Schaefer. It's me, Michael Schaefer. I join you once again from a cruise ship. This is, I think, the second week in a row where I've recorded the podcast from my cruise cabin. Don't worry, I won't be making a habit of this. It's just that uh, it's cruise season in Australia. Fortunately, the shows on this cruise went well, so I didn't. I haven't had to avoid eye contact with the guests over the last few days, or resort to wearing a moustache and uh, glasses to hide my identity, like I did on the last cruise when I I bombed quite dramatically in front of a couple thousand people. So this has been a much nicer few days for me on this cruise ship. Nonetheless, I've still been uh, keeping an eye on uh, the news that's happening in Australia and around the world. And it is nice. It's almost comforting to see the same cycles of news happening every year. You have to find comfort in it, otherwise you'll just kind of lose your mind at how tiresome and frustrating and stupid it all is because the Australia Day culture was a back baby, we had about, you know, 11 months, 10 months of not talking about it, mostly because we had the big, you know, voice of parliament referendum to to keep the racists and the bigots occupied on social media, but now that's done and they've they've chalked up a W for themselves, now we're, and then Australia Day is coming up in two weeks, now is the time to kick off the culture wars and it actually is the same story every year so if you remember last year all these people lost their minds because Kmart announced that it wasn't going to be selling Australia Day merchandise you know all that tacky stuff you know like Australian flags and like flip-flops that are with the Australian colours on them and an apron that says Australia, mate, or yeah, nah, or some shit like that. Kmart said, look, we're not going to sell that stuff anymore. And the Patriots lost their minds. They're like, this is un-Australian because there is nothing more Australian than purchasing a T-shirt made in China to celebrate... British imperialism. There's nothing more Australian than that. So they lost their minds. There was a campaign to boycott Kmart at the time, which kind of fizzled out. And after Australia Day, everyone just went back to doing what they do, which is buying everything from Kmart like I do, because they make very good and cheap T-shirts. And I don't want to even think about the child exploitation that allows them to sell a T-shirt made in Bangladesh for $8.99. So people were very upset last year about Kmart, and now this year it's Woolworths and Aldi. It's their turn to cop the brunt of the Patriots. So Woolworths and then subsequently Aldi issued media statements saying, oh, we're not going to be selling Australia Day merch this year due to low sales on this merch. And I've actually never felt more proud to be an Australian in that moment to know that oh all that tacky Australia Day crap actually doesn't sell very well and it actually costs companies like Woolworths and Aldi money to to get that stuff made and then and sold because there's not much of a marker for an Australia. That for me was quite heartening to know that, hey, the free market has spoken and we've decided that it's kind of embarrassing to to get an apron that says uh, yeah nah on it or whatever the slogan is. So or you know, Aussie, 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 Oi, Oi, Oi. Which just sidetrack, Aussie, 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 Oi, Oi, Oi. I think it's the worst chant in the world. I think there's it's it's embarrassing, it's humiliating. If you hear it in Bali, there's a good chance you're about to get glassed by an NRL player who's on a lot of coke. It's a it's a terrifying war cry, really, and it needs to be stamped out of the culture. I, I won't be I won't be silenced on this matter. Aussie 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 Oi 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 is truly as a national chant, it's truly humiliating. There's not many countries that have like a national chant. You know, America has USA, USA. That's embarrassing enough, but it's Infinitely better than Aussie, 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 Oi, Oi, Oi. I mean, like the French have, like, you know, Viva la France. That's nice, which is like, you know, harks back to the revolution where they overthrew the monarchy and established what was, you know, not really a democracy, but kind of a, well, a republic nonetheless. You know, Ukraine, they've got Slav Ukraini. That's a nice kind of, galvanizing anthem, it brings people together in a, in a time of war. I think Australia is just kind of, we've never had a big revolution. We've never had, we've never been threatened by a foreign power coming to take us over, despite the irony of that being the very essence of Australia Day. But as a country, we've never experienced, you know, what France went through or what Ukraine went through. And so as a result, I think our national chant has suffered because we it seems like you have to go through some sort of trauma some sort of existential crisis as a country in order to develop a great chant and i guess what i'm saying is it'll be nice when china finally invades and we can get rid of the aussie 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 oi 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 chant and replace it with something a bit more a bit more galvanizing a bit more inspiring maybe something like uh Go fuck yourselves. I I don't know what it would be, but I guess we just have to wait for China to come to our shores until, and then we'll finally be able to develop a chance that we can all be proud of. So Woolworths and Aldi are now taking a a bath on social media because despite this really being a non-issue, I don't think anyone really cares if Woolworths or Aldi sell Australia Day merch, but... It is a fantastic way for people on social media, media companies, and for politicians to... It gives them a talking point. It gives them something to talk about, to put them back in the news cycle, to make them relevant again. If you're a newspaper, it's a great opportunity to get some clicks on your website. Like, my theory is that no one in Australia actually wants to... Like, solve the Australia Day debate. No one wants to create some sort of compromise or middle ground or solution because if this was resolved and it was essentially a non issue, and we, you know, we changed the data, we found some sort of way around this. If we did solve the problem, all of a sudden, politicians like Peter Dutton, Anthony Albanese, Pauline Hansen, and, and media companies that you know love to get clicks and comments on their articles would lose like a tremendous amount of revenue this time of year cuz let's not forget this time of year it's pretty quiet like most people are on summer holidays in australia there's not a lot going on in the news 95% of news like after like christmas and up until school starts again 95% of news is hey the australian open is coming up and we just found out that a, a an eastern european tennis player melted on center court because it reached 65 degrees centigrade at rod Laver arena there's not a lot of news outside of the australian open and and you know and which you know which serbian or croatian or russian is going to win and, and who's going to be able to you know, handle the the condition. No, like there's nothing really to talk about other than a bit of tennis chat, maybe a bit of cricket chat. So the Australia Day debate every year is so crucial to news outlets that just need a few clicks to kind of get the year off on a good start. It's so important for people like, particularly the right wing guys who who really like love the culture wars because it gives them something to to yell about and, and, and appeal to their base with. And of course, you know, also the left wing guys too. Like a, you know, if you're an if you're a Greens candidate, if you're a Teal candidate, you're an independent, it gives you something to talk about as well. So it's it's not just a it's not just a right wing nut job uh, a talking point. It is very much also for people who are like the the lefty the lefty snowflakes as well. The Latte Sipping Inner City Lefty Snowflakes also loves to talk about this. So I don't think there's any real impetus to solve this debate. I think what we want is just to argue about it in perpetuity because, like I said, it's content for people. And the fact that I'm talking about it again a, a year later on this podcast, I think is is proof once again that it is kind of it's fun to talk about. It's kind of interesting to talk about. The conversation doesn't really evolve much year on year. The only thing, the real difference this year is that last year was Kmart and this year it's Woolworths and Aldi. But it's just the same. It's the same, You know, you could just sub in and out which company kicks it off. It's the same every single year. What I do find funny is that Peter Dutton has come out and you know, urged Australians to boycott Woolworths. And look, most people have boycotted Woolworths already just because they're so expensive. It's so expensive now. I went in the other day just to get some like nut bars and I was like, how did I spend $30 on nut bars? And I stole like half of them. So how did I spend $30 on some nut bars on half of the nut bars? It was, I think that what Peter Dutton should say is like, you shouldn't say boycott Woolworths because that's, a lot of people are doing that already due to the cost of living crisis Really, if he wants revenge against Woolworths and he wants to set a precedent against any other companies that are thinking about taking a stance on Australia Day merch in any way whatsoever, he should just encourage people to go and steal from Woolworths. That should have been his press conference. He should have said like, hey, I hear that uh, Woolies doesn't love Australia. Well, next time you go in there, next time I go in there, Tell you what, I'll be buying a lot of brown onions at the self-service checkout. Give it a wink to the camera, if you know what I mean. So really, if if Peter Dunham were a clever man, if he were a true leader, that's what he would encourage Australians to do. He would tell people to go out and steal from Woolworths. That would be the most Australian thing you could do in that moment. That would bring the country together. I think even at that point, Anthony Albanese would be like, that's a good policy. It's actually a, it's a very popular policy amongst people right now when petrol is two dollars a litre and milk is twelve dollars a litre. So, I guess my point is Peter Darden is is using this as an excuse to stay in the headlines, you know, appeal to his base. Then I saw that uh, Tony Jones was on Three AW. Tony Jones is like he's a sports reporter, but he's also on Talkback Radio, a bit of a shock jock. He's kind of evolved into a bit of like a I guess not a classic shock jock who just says overtly racist things, but he'll just say dumb stuff clearly just because he needs to fill time in on the radio. And he came out and said that Woolworths should stick to, you know, instead of engaging all his culture wars, that they should stick to selling food. And I would have thought that he would have then be thrilled that they're no longer selling Australia Day merchandise because that's not food. What Woolies has done is like saying, "Hey, we're just gonna—we actually are sticking to selling food, so it's kind of business as usual here." And I, I don't understand pe- people getting upset about. I, I'm trying to work out how much of it is genuine and how much of it is just fluff and you know people performing to an audience, people performing to a camera. There are lots of people on social media who do seem to be genuinely upset that Woolworths won't be selling their favorite aprons this year. So I'm going to take them at face value and assume that they are genuinely upset by this. I'm not going to assume that they're... I'm not going to be cynical and think that they are exploiting this outrage to get likes and retweets on social media. I'm just going to assume that they're a bunch of genuine idiots who don't understand how the free market works because as Woolworths said in its statement, it's not selling this stuff because it's people don't buy it anymore it's clearly this is this is just the free market at work here this is the way it's meant to be i mean people are saying like oh this is bloody marxism communism socialism you know that's what this is no this is capitalism this is just how capitalism works if people don't buy something there's not going to be any there's not going to be any anyone selling it that's just that's just the way that Woolworths and Aldi works. If if they were making money of Australia Day merchandise, I swear, of course they would be selling it. I mean, Woolworths is not an Woolworths and Aldi. Neither of these corporations are altruistic, benevolent do-gooders. They're out here to make money. They're out here to rip the farmers off as much as possible, to jack up the prices as much as possible to fire as many employees and replace them with self-service checkouts as much as possible, these people don't care about Australia Day either way. They just care about making money. So people are saying that Woolworths are being un-Australian. They're not being... Un- Who even knows what un-Australian means, by the way? It's the most vague insult ever that gets thrown around. It means absolutely... It means nothing. But I know I know, it's meant to be derogatory, but what they're they're saying that Woolworths is being un-Australian? No, they're just they're just being capitalists. If if being Australian gave them money, brought in money, hundred percent they would do it. But these are not do-gooders. So if you are upset with Woolworths that they're not selling Australia Day merchandise, my advice is steal, steal from them, and. I think that's the most Australian Day thing you could do because, of course, Australia Day commemorates the theft of Indigenous people's land. So I think the best way for you to celebrate Australia Day in the traditional sense would be to steal something yourself. Walk in to your local Woolworths, say that you've just discovered the place, uh, kill everyone there and steal... Everything in the store, that is really the Australia Day way. And that would really, I think that's the most Australian thing you could do on Australia Day. And as you're doing it, yell out Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. The other thing that I find fascinating about Australia Day every year is the lamb ad gets released every year. It's, you forget about the lamb ad, but then it just comes out. And you're like, oh, wow, it's the lamb ad. And I think it might be the funniest and silliest thing about Australian culture. To be honest, it's the thing I'm probably most proud of about Australian culture. Because it's almost like this inside joke that 25 million people are kind of in on. It's just a like we all look at each other every year. We're like, can't wait for the lamb ad to come out. Can't wait to watch with my friends i can't wait to comment on on the socials about it it's it's really kind of nice that it's it's this little it's this funny silly thing that we all do as australians we all get around sam kekovich former footballer just pops up on our screens once a year and he comes out and he's like hey you know look this is all a bit ridiculous but have you considered eating lamb have you considered lamb? It's it's the funniest. It is funny to just advertise a meat because they're not advertising a specific company. It's not like like people make fun of perfume advertisements because they'll show like a horse riding through the sand dunes of Abu Dhabi and then at the end it'll be like Chanel. And obviously that's ridiculous, but at least it's Specifically advertising a company, you can be like, okay, I'm gonna go buy Chanel. But this ad doesn't advertise a company; it just advertises lamb, which I think is just—it's so funny to have an advertisement just for a, a, just a, a generic product. Obviously, the ad is paid for by like the the lamb harvesting farmers or whatever of Australia and so they all benefit from everyone just being aware of lamb but it is very funny as a concept to just have an advertisement that just advertises lamb i mean it would be the equivalent of of just seeing a seeing an ad that just like has a picture of a table and it's like hey have you considered buying a table you should buy a table and it doesn't tell you where to like not to get an Ikea table or, you know, a Kmart table, whatever. Just here's an ad for tables. It's just so funny to me that there is an ad for just lamb, just lamb. And the craziest thing is that this inside joke, which Australians have kept kind of pretty inside for quite well for quite a while now, because the lamb ad has been going for decades and decades. But obviously with social media and the internet, now there is the risk Of the lamb ad being shared around to people outside of Australia. And this year, that seems to finally have happened. And now it's gone viral on on like American Twitter. And people are just losing their minds that there is a three minute advertisement that is incredibly well produced, like produced to the point where you'd think that it was like the trailer for a Marvel movie or something, just like the writing, the scripts, the the number of actors that they employed, the the CGI, the graphics, the whole thing is, is so, so well produced. You'd think that Michael Bay had a hand in it. All of a sudden, it's going viral in America and the Americans are like, you're not going to believe what this ad is for because... If you haven't seen the ad already, it's just a three-minute ad. It's kind of about generational gaps between boomers and millennials and, and Gen X and Gen Z. And it's kind of, it's a really, it's a funny script. There's some really like, you know, like classic jokes about what, how boomers have all the homes and how, you know, millennials are lame and how Gen Z hates the fact that they'll never be able to buy their own home. And it's a really funny script about how all the, generations kind of dislike each other and have this animus towards each other. But then, you know, Sam Kekovic comes in at the end and is like, do you know what will finally bring everyone together? It's Lamb. And sorry for spoiling the Lamb ad for you. I know that, you know, it's, it's a huge thing on the Australian calendar. And if maybe you're waiting for Australia Day to watch it together with your family, I'm so sorry that I spoiled the Lamb ad. The Lamb ad really is the only ad where you kind of need to have a spoiler for it. Somewhat. Most people are like, hey, I'm going to talk about, you know, the final episode of Game of Thrones now, or the final episode of Breaking Bad, or Better Call Saul. Sorry, there's going to be a lot of spoilers here. Usually you hear about spoilers in the context of uh, an HBO uh, box office show, but. In Australia, the spoiler alert is mostly used for the lamb ad. So I apologize for not giving you the spoiler alert at the start, but it does end with uh, Sam Kekovich throwing some lamb on the barbie. And to be honest, that's how they all end. So you kind of should have predicted that that was going to happen. But Americans are now seeing the lamb ad, and it's kind of it, It's kind of weird when someone else all of a sudden hears about your inside joke and sees your inside joke and now they're trying to understand the inside joke and it's too hard to explain it to Americans. It's just, firstly, you have to explain to Americans that there's there are countries that are not America. That's already a very hard thing to explain to most Americans. Even if you manage to overcome that hurdle, you then have to explain, oh, okay, so... There's this guy who used to play Australian rules football. Don't worry about us. What Australian rules football is? No, it's not like rugby. It's a different thing. This guy used to play Australian rules football. Then he kind of became like a TV presenter. Then for some reason he became a lamb That's the combination of the words lamb and ambassador get together. Yeah, there's we're we're almost getting to the lamb ad. So so this guy Sam Kekovich was pronounced the lamb of Australia, and every year they made ads for lamb. Not a specific company, not a specific place you could buy the lamb from, just lamb, just the concept of lamb. We made an advertisement that told people that lamb exists and that you should purchase it and eat it. And these ads would typically coincide with Australia Day because I know Australia Day, and Australia is also kind of, we don't even want to get into what Australia Day is, but basically... In America, you guys celebrate your independence from when you kicked the British out of your country. In Australia, we're kind of lame and pathetic. We celebrate it when the British arrived because we don't really have our own national identity and we don't really have a day where we had a big revolution and kicked out the bad guys. That's why we still say Aussie, 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 Oi, Oi, Oi. And to be quite honest, we would love for the Chinese to turn up pretty soon so that we can come up with something new. Anyway. This guy Sam Kegovich, who used to play football for Australia he's the ambassador. He makes an ad for Lamb. He's a, and 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 it was so popular. It became so popular that over years and years and years it just became a part of the Australian culture and now it be, it started out as like a 30 second ad and now every year they make they they literally spend millions and millions of dollars creating a 3 minute advertisement and we all just wait around waiting for it to drop on social media every year and when it does we all crowd around and watch it and we're just so happy and so proud to be australian that we have this inside joke that we spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on every year that's what the lamb ad is i mean imagine trying to spread all of that australiana all of that australian history to an american so their minds have been absolutely blown if you want to do yourself a favor just go on go on twitter x whatever you want to call it and uh, look up the Lambette and just see Americans responding to it in the most American way possible. It's a really great way to kill a few, to kill a few hours. Now look this week, there's also some some other big news this week in that the Golden Globes took place this week. And I really am shocked that we still have award ceremonies for actors because of all the people who need award ceremonies to be televised internationally, to be given big trophies and, and fame and money and attention, of all the people who I think need and deserve that, I would say actors are at the ex- right at the bottom. Right at the bottom. I, I really think that actors in Hollywood are celebrated enough. I think that they're doing fine. I don't think we need to have an award ceremony and give people trophies who are already rich and famous and doing fine. I would, I mean, I know this sounds kind of cliche, but it'd be nice to have like a Golden Globes that gets for like, I don't know, like nurses or teachers or doctors or just like people who actually work hard and, don't get any fame and any attention, but for whatever reason, we we instead have these award ceremonies for the Golden Globes. And I, I say it for whatever reason, I know why they do this. It's because they need to create some buzz around the work that they they need to make you think that their movies and their TV shows are good. They need to make you think that. And so what they do, what the industry does is it creates an a, a sham award ceremony and the Golden Globes are the most sham of all the award ceremonies because we know that, you know, over years have been plagued with corruption that you basically could buy away to winning a Golden Globe. And in fact, that's why they were cancelled for a couple of years because of allegations of all this corruption building up over many years. And then, of course, there was this... Um, they kind of got uh, done for having like no diversity uh, amongst the Hollywood foreign reporters, uh, the Hollywood foreign press who give out the awards, just a group of this cabal of journal- journalists who just like to, you know, put on this award ceremony. So they have a, a, a bit of power in Hollywood. It turns out none of them were like, they were just all like a bunch of like white guys and they just kind of gave awards out to whoever g- gave them the most money or the most access. So, The Golden Globes have already been played with corruption and they've already been known to be a charade and a farce for many years. Nonetheless, they went on existing and nonetheless, they're back. And it's just like a massive circle jerk where all these Hollywood types will get together and they create this award ceremony so that they can give themselves awards in order to make their work seem important. And it is kind of humiliating for them when you realize that that's what it is the problem is that i think most people just do tune in and do see the awards as relevant because people think oh i wonder what margot robbie's gonna wear at the golden globes so it's this it's this weird kind of thing that everyone in hollywood knows is a sham you know it's it's this weird false economy within hollywood it's it's A Golden Globe is basically the cryptocurrency of Hollywood because it doesn't have any value intrinsically. It only has value if everyone buys into it and believes that it has value. It's just a a fake currency that has been going on for quite a while. I think eventually the whole thing will implode on itself, much like the FTX training system, and much like a lot of other, you know, like Dogecoin or whatever they're called, I think eventually it'll implode on itself because it will finally be exposed as a sham. But for now, it seems to be going pretty well, pretty strong. You know, people tune in. I felt sorry for a lot of the people at the Golden Globes because it kind of coincided with the Jeffrey Epstein list being released. This was the list of uh, just unsealed. These these court documents were unsealed that were previously uh, sealed by the court because um, they were you know there were ongoing court proceedings, defamation proceedings, brought and you know brought by some of the women who were sexually assaulted by Jeffrey Epstein on his island. So basically, these court documents get unsealed and it lists all these people who. It were associated with Jeffrey Epstein in, in some way, whether it's because they were they visited the Epstein Islands, they were on his plane, they were business associates of some sort. It's bad time for that to get released just because you know a lot of people in the room at the Golden Globes would have been on that list. And I imagine a lot of people at the last minute would have been like, maybe I'm not going to go to the Golden Globes because I don't want the host Joe Coy to mention that I'm a pedophile in front of the millions of people who are watching. So it was an awkward time for the Jeffrey Epstein list to come out. And it was interesting seeing the names on that list. Obviously, you got the classics. You got your Trumps. Trump obviously gets mentioned a million times. You got your Bill Clintons. He gets mentioned a million times. It is fun when uh, people... It is fun when, like... A Republican and a Democrat both get accused of doing the same thing, which is basically being a, a pedophile and being somehow involved in the human trafficking that Jeffrey Epstein was a, was a part of. It's funny when that happens because it means that both sides on the political spectrum are like, "Oh, we we better not take a stance either way," because you know if I if you're a Democrat and and you have a crack at Donald Trump then the Republicans will have a crack at Bill Clinton and, and vice versa. So it's really funny seeing everyone be like, okay, I don't want to comment on the pedophile human trafficking thing because this kind of goes across all party lines and, you know, can't throw stones in glass houses. It's really funny everyone just being like, well, we better not, maybe we'll like, you know, not comment on this too much. But the one person that people can comment on quite a lot is Stephen Hawking, who found himself on the Jeffrey Epstein list, which really does beg the question of, of how. I mean, I don't want to be ableist here. I really don't want to be. And I've I've seen a lot of people being ableist on on the internet. People are saying, like, oh my god, like Stephen Hawking, you know, is a is a pedophile, is a sex offender. I mean, everyone's question is how how could he do it i mean he was literally in a in a chair he, he couldn't move i don't know what disease he had was it i don't think it was ms it was something like that it was like a neurodegenerative disease and of course the guy couldn't even speak so you know you're, you're wondering how could a man like this kind of sexually assault anyone or i mean people are saying that maybe he just liked to watch I guess that makes sense. I guess that makes sense. I think it's nice that Stephen Hawking was on the list, just because I think it does kind of break down stereotypes about people with disabilities. Because a lot of people say, you know, there's a lot of stigma around people with disabilities. You know, we're like, well, we assume, you know, that they that they can't contribute to the world. There's certain things they can't do, and and Stephen Hawking broke down so many. Of those barriers because despite of course his condition he was able to make these incredible contributions to science like I think he was the one that came up with like string theory and quantum mechanics I don't even know what that is trying to explain quantum mechanics to me is like trying to explain the lamb ad to an American there's just too many fundamental bits about physics that I don't understand so you'll never explain it to me but I know it's complicated impressive stuff so Stephen Hawking broke down all these barriers and managed to make such a huge contribution to science despite his condition. And on top of that, he also found a way, allegedly, to be a a pedophile, to be a sex offender. Now, if if that's not breaking down boundaries, I I don't know what is because I don't know any other people in that condition who would have been able to participate in a human trafficking ring. I mean, it's it's nice to know that no matter how, whatever, you know, if you dive into a shallow pool tomorrow and you find yourself quadriplegic and you're thinking, oh my God, my life is over, I'll never do anything anymore. Well, just look at Stephen Hawking and realize that not only could you make a contribution to the sciences that will outlo- that will become your legacy and and, and and be used and by humanity for generations and generations about our our place in the cosmos but also you can get an invitation to a pedophile island So I guess my point is that if you're listening to this right now and you've recently suffered a horrific accident, maybe you' in a car crash, Maybe you, you, you jumped off a cliff and you... Whatever it is that's put you in this awful, awful position. Just know that Stephen Hawking found a way to find meaning in his life through the sciences and apparently still managed to find a sexual gratification. So I'm just saying there is still hope and you should cling on to that. The last thing I want to talk about today is the craziest story that I've seen happen to an airplane since, like, the Malaysian Air airline disappeared. So last week, or just a couple days ago, Alaska Airlines, one of their Boeing planes, I like, took off, 35 minutes into their flight, the 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 door at the exit road just s- somehow decompresses, breaks off, and, and, you know, and everyone's at, like, what, 30,000 feet or whatever. And all of a sudden... People are like, oh shit, we're going to get sucked out of the plane. Fortunately, no one got sucked out of the plane. Fortunately, the two people that were meant to sit next to the door, I just think those two seats just weren't sold. Like It was like a pretty full flight, but the two seats next to that door were empty. So fortunately, no one got sucked out of the plane. This does, I think, impact all future decisions as to whether or not you fork out for the for the exit row seat, I, I because sure you get the extra legroom, but also you do it run the risk of being sucked out of the plane if and when the door decompresses. So I think if you're gonna off if you're gonna charge people extra for the exit row, I think at the very least they should have a parachute at the very least to just kind of offset that risk i think that when they do the exit row speech they should be like hey um in the event of an emergency are you willing and able to assist people exiting the aircraft also do you know how to operate a secondary parachute if the first one fails i think that they should just run you through a quick demonstration as to I think you should just wear the parachute on you if you're in the exit row and just keep an eye on the door and your hand on the lever and just be ready to roll to rip that lever down and, you know, float back down to the ground safely. So hopefully they start bringing that in as a matter of policy, particularly if you're flying Boeing, because it's happened on a Boeing, I don't know exactly the type of aircraft it was, but it was a Boeing plane and... Alaska Airlines have now, like, grounded their fleet of Boeing planes. And, of course, Boeing has... If you've been following, like, airline aviation stories for a while now, I have because my dad is really into uh, air crash investigation. It's his favorite, favorite show on TV. Like, when this happened, I texted dad and he was, like, all over it. He was so excited because, you know, it means there's going to be another episode of air crash investigation, you know, to cover this disaster. So... I'm quite across aviation stories because my dad keeps me up to date. And Boeing has been plagued with these issues for a while now. I think a couple of years ago, one of their planes went down. I think it was in Africa at the time. I can't remember, but they're just Boeing have been a lot have had a lot of problems in like their stock price just plummeted and they've been facing safety issues for a while now. And it's largely due to like, you know, cutbacks, etc. But fascinatingly. Conservatives, people on the right have seized on this almost tragedy, have seized on this almost tragedy and said, well, actually, the reason why Boeing is facing these problems is because they subscribe to DEI hiring, which is diversity, uh, inclusion. What does the E stand for? It'll come to me later. But DEI hiring policies are basically companies saying, like, hey, um, we would like. To uh, hire people from all different backgrounds because we think that having you know, diverse backgrounds and perspectives in the boardroom, whatever, is going to make our company stronger. And a lot of there's a lot of evidence and data to show that that is the case. And it's not just virtue signaling; it's actually good corporate business to have a range of you know male, female, black, white, Asian people in the boardroom and uh, and bringing different ideas to the table. Anyway, the right have like seized on this Boeing a door being blown off the plane and saying, well, the reason why this happened is because the Boeing uh, the, actually subscribers to DEI. So the reason why this happened is because they prioritize hiring transgender people over hiring good engineers. So I, I don't know how to respond to something that transparently stupid because I don't think the door blew off the plane because Boeing has been hiring women and black people and Asian people. I think the door blew off the plane because Boeing doesn't know how to make a plane. I think that's the reason. And they haven't been able to make planes for for a few years now. They keep making bad planes i don't think it's fair to say that because there was a woman in the engineering squad that that's big that's caused the plane door to break off i mean i really think that if anything having a a diverse range of people and different backgrounds in the engineering space would probably prevent this from happening in the future because there might be some people in the engineering department who say hey we've made this door and uh, unfortunately it sometimes blows out and and falls off the plane what do you think and then someone from a, a different background will say oh well i don't think that's a good idea because i think that it's best when the door stays on the plane so that people don't get sucked out and die. And I think it's really important to have that diverse range of opinion in the engineering manufacturing space so that we don't end up with with doors that, that break off planes at of 30,000 feet. I don't know. I just think it's a long bow to draw to be like, hey, this company says they're hiring more, they're hiring more black people, more Asian people, more women, whatever. And then to be like, and and that's the reason why the door blew off the plane. I think the simpler answer is that Boeing has been trying to cut costs by not making its doors as safe as possible. I think that's probably more how things work. That's how capitalism works. It's the free market, baby. And sometimes the free market is, is bad for you. Sometimes the free market means... Your door falls off a plane. And sometimes it means when you walk into Woolworths and Aldi, you're not going to be able to buy your Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi apron in time for Australia Day. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like this show, I really would appreciate it if you gave it a nice review. Give it five stars on Spotify or Apple. I have noticed some bad reviews coming in in the last few weeks. And I suspect it's got something to do with the fact that I've been talking about Israel and Palestine and some weeks I'll talk about, I'll be critical of Israel, some weeks I'll be critical of Palestine and and the Hamas leadership and I think as a result of that people are, I'm just basically upsetting everyone who has an opinion on that topic. Nonetheless, I'll keep talking about it because I don't really give a fuck about what those people think. But if you enjoy this podcast, I care a lot about you and your enjoyment, and I would love for you to share it with someone who you think might like it, give it a nice review so that other people can find out about it. I promise next week, I'll I'll probably talk about Israel and Palestine next week, but just nothing much has happened. It's kind of a bit of a stalemate at this point. It's just the same awful shit. So I'm like, I'm not going to talk about it until there's something new to say about it. So if you enjoy this show, give it a nice review. I've got some shows coming up in Australia, in Perth and Fremantle at the Fringe World Festival. My Melbourne Comedy Festival shows are also on sale. They're in March, April. Head to my website, michaelshafer.com for details. I'll see you next week. Good night.